Well, we've uh, finally arrived at the very last uh, message of our series. We started all the way back on Easter, and I hope it's been encouraging for you as we take heart. I know this world sometimes can be a discouraging, difficult place, but uh, God's given us a lot of reason to have courage and to have joy even in this world, and uh, we've talked about a few of those over the last few things with the effects or the the implications of the the wondrous resurrection of Jesus. And uh, when we started all the way back then talking about well, heaven is ours, and I hope that that's been an anchor for you. No matter what happens in this world, no matter how messed up this world is, remember that Jesus didn't come to save this world. He came to save us from this world uh, for heaven, and that's what we get to look forward to, and that is absolutely sure and secure, and we sang about that today, and uh, may that be something that gives you some joy and courage in the midst of this life, but also that uh, God didn't abandon us just to the future, but he's also present with us here and now. That he's gifted us with the power and the presence of his ho- himself, his Holy Spirit, who dwells amongst us and who convicts us and, and gives us strength and guides us and directs us. And that uh, God himself is very present with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And then, of course, we talked about the, the reality of the God's sovereignty that was demonstrated and proven by the resurrection. How God is in control of all things, and nothing is outside of His power or ability. There is nothing impossible for Him. And so we don't have to worry that uh, God is calling us to something He can't call us out of. He's not calling us to go into something that He doesn't have the ability to carry us through. He has the ability to overcome because He can do anything, and He knows everything, and He is everywhere. He's omnipresent, and so He's, at, he's aware of what's going on in the and the little secret ports of our hearts and the tiniest little cells of our bodies to the most massive uh, solar system and, and, and galaxies in the universe, as well as to all the history and the details of history that, that we are a part of, that our God is in control and you're a part of that. So when he says that he's working all things together for our good, he knows exactly what he's talking about. In fact, we talked about uh, last week then the, the power of his promises, that his promises are good. And then if you read scripture, if you're God's child, his promises for us are, are amazing. And the great thing about that is that God can't lie. It's the one thing that you can do that God can't. And, uh, and I would say that he's done the better for that. And why can't God lie? Because if he says it, it becomes reality. <laughs> and out of all the thousands of promises in scripture, many have already been kept. We know those as prophecy, but there are so many that are for us. And they're all good, and so we cling to them, that our God is our provider, and he's our protector, and he's our defender, and he's present with us, and he's got a purpose in our lives, and he's got a plan for us, and, and that he's, well, he's guiding us. Our God is an amazing God in his promises, and I, to cling to those, because the world offers a lot of fake promises, but our God provides divinely backed guarantees for our victory over this world, and even in this life. So that's good, and today, at the very end of it, what I think my favorite thing that God has given us, and of course there's so many others, I could have done an entire two years on this series, but, but is that we have the power of each other, that uh, the power of church and, and the blessing of church that happened simply because of the resurrection. In fact, if there wasn't the resurrection of Jesus, there wouldn't be the church because the disciples would have just scattered and that would have been the end of it. But the only way you can explain the global church is the fact that they saw a risen Lord Jesus and he called us together. And there are some amazing things that are true because the church exists. So as we bring this series to a close, bring us back to our anchor verse for the series, something that I hope that you really have taken time to set into your heart and mind. And if you haven't, I won't ask you again, promise, because next week we're going to have a different anchor verse. 
So take some time for this is not a long one. This is really short, but just a little bit of God's truth that, that, that can guide us in our heart, that carries us through those difficult times when we're in the valley and we don't see heaven yet, and we don't see and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit at that particular moment. And when we're not uh, experiencing what it seems like God's sovereignty, even though we are, but it might not feel like that at times. Right? When his promises feel like they're not kept, we need to hold to God's word because all of those things are true. And this is one of those passages of scripture that anchors us to the truth, which carries us to victory. And so before I get to the message, would you mind just say it one more time with me? Because it's such good news. Here we go. Three, two, one. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31, 24. Ah, isn't that great? That God wants you to be strong. He hasn't called us to weakness. He wants us to take heart. He wants to be encouraged. He hasn't called us to discouragement or to be in despair. That is not the call of God. In fact, the walk of Christ is one in which we get to see God be strong even in our weakness. It's one we get to see that we live with a hope even in the midst of where this world might seem uh, hopeless. This is the testimony of Christ in us. And it's more than just fun feelings. It's the reality of God and who he is and the implications of the resurrection. So if you haven't taken a moment and haven't had time to memorize this, you're lying to yourself because you have lots of time. Because if you look at your, when you get your little thing that tells you how much screen time you had this week, trust me, take five minutes of that and memorize this passage it's on your connection card. We perforate it there for you so you can take it. It's in a business card size. It's do business with God, but also with your spirit. Memorize this, meditate on it, use it as your prayer time because we all need to have times where we have God's strength and encouragement. As we do that, we're going to talk about that, of course, that last one. One of the reasons that we're not uh, discouraged is because we're not alone. Uh, it was interesting to hear that this last year that our uh, Surgeon General declared that loneliness, persistent or pervasive, Persistent loneliness is a national health crisis now, and uh, it's, a, it's a huge thing. And we have to see a lot of folks in our culture being very, very, very divided. And I think that really happened, uh, uh, I guess, a long time ago, and we were separated from God because of sin. But then ever since then, we've been separating from each other because we all do what's right in our own eyes, and you don't do what's right in my eyes, and therefore we go to war with each other, and then we have separation. And then we get into little parties, and we have like political parties, and we have clubs and groups and things like that, and you have some people on the in, some people on the out. And I think as a nation, we are more divided than we've ever been, right? We have people, families that won't even talk to each other because they, who they vote for. Families. That happens in families, right? We have, even in churches, people divided over crazy things. It's, uh, we love this us versus you till we realize that no one is exactly like me, and so eventually, if I keep up with that, I am all alone. And that's a horrible place to be because God designed us for fellowship. And that's one of the reasons the enemy, he comes to us as an accuser. Because the first thing we do is we're accused, we feel like, well, now I'm being attacked, right? I'm, I, maybe I'm not good enough, and that causes separation. God does not design us for separation. We were meant for fellowship. This is what part of our very design was. Even in the Garden of Eden, he made us male and female. We were not designed to be alone. And yet, how many people in our very culture feel alone? Maybe you feel alone. But I got some good news for you. We're not alone. That God has given us something amazing. That, that not only has he given us his Holy Spirit, but he's given us each other. You know that when you were saved, you were baptized in a faith, that you weren't baptized as an orphan? That, that you were going to be part of a church? And you know what the word church means? Exactly. It means assembly. And you can't assemble alone. 
And to be part of the church is not just to be a believer in Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus means that you follow him to his family, that you follow him home, that you are part of the assembly of believers, that you have intrinsic within you now, you're part of something amazing, God's great assembly of his holy people. And I want to show you what this looks like, so you know this not just me saying it. If you have your Bibles, turn to one of my favorite books of Scripture. I've got uh, 65 others, but this is a really good one. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Now, Ephesians is, was uh, written to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus is in Turkey now, and it's, it's in ruins, but back in the, that time, it was not. It was a it was a site of one of the uh, wonders of the world, seven wonders of the ancient world. It was, uh, and that particular wonder was a huge temple to the goddess Artemis, which the Romans called Diana. I don't know why, but they had their goddess on there, and she was really important, and you'd have people from all over the ancient world would come, and they would worship at this pagan shrine, and it was, uh, it was a place that you would think there would be no footprint of the church. It was... It was like planting a church in Boulder, Colorado, right? It was that bad. And yet, and yet, Paul showed up there and brought Jesus. And in the midst of that pagan and godless culture, God came in because God is sovereign and he's good and he rules heaven and earth. And hearts were changed for him, and the church began to grow there. And there was an opposition that was there. But over time, that church became very, very powerful. And Paul spent some time there at that church and helped train the elders and helped that church begin to grow. And, and because of its background, that church had a lot of people there who weren't Jewish. And if you know much about our, our faith history, like Jesus was Jewish, right? And then, right, that, that was a big thing. And the church began to grow in the Jewish community because their Messiah had finally come. But now you got these Gentiles that are coming and you're going into a, a city, Ephesus, that was very, very, very pagan. You're going to have a whole lot of Gentiles in there. And so you had this Jewish contingent and you had this Gentile contingent. They had different languages. They had different cultures. They had different backgrounds and they just didn't get along. It, is, it was like Democrats and Republicans, right? You just have them in the same place and to not you know tear each other's eyes out seemed crazy to culture and yet there was a unity in the midst of the church despite all of the externals that said that they should be different and the first chapter of ephesians you see the apostle paul giving glory to god for this amazing reality that the dividing wall between jew and gentile was now destroyed and there was a unity in the family of god which they were experiencing in ephesus it was an amazing thing and based upon that miracle of unity in context now we read today's passage starting at verse 19 he says consequently consequently to what well, this amazing unity we have in God. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow, wonderful. In this place where there was a pagan temple, now you have a much better temple, not one of stone and rock, but one of the very people of God. And this was written, of course, to 
people on different sides, the Jews and the Gentiles, the factions who, from a natural perspective, should be separated and alone, but they're not. But consequently, this is the effects of the unity of Christ. And so he, he gives them the benefits of being together in Jesus. In fact, even in this little passage right here, he lists eight. And since we only have a few minutes, I'm only going to go through these eight. There's a whole bunch more in Scripture. But I think these, even themselves, will give you some courage. And the first thing that he shows us here is that we are not excluded. He says you're no longer foreigners or strangers. Right? And that's an amazing thing. Because to be alone typically means we're excluded from the group. That's what makes us so lonely. There's people who don't talk to us. There's groups who don't like us. There's people who hate us. We feel separated from that. We are excluded. The, the chief cause of loneliness, or at least the most profound felt portion of, of loneliness, is that we feel left out. And if you've ever been there, you know how painful that is. And Paul begins by saying, because of what Jesus has done and the miracle of unity that we have with him and with each other, we're no longer on the outs. We're not outcasts. We're not on the outside. In fact, he gives two different ways in which people feel outcast. The first one, he says, you're foreigners. That, that's a cultural separation, right? People are not part of, of your culture, right? They're not part of your country, not citizens, right? That's a, that is a cultural difference. It's like Jews and Gentiles. It's different language, different history, different all that kind of stuff. And so there's no affinity there. But he, that, it's more than just cultural he goes on to say strangers, that's relational, right? Because we think about uh, uh, a stranger is somebody that you're, you have a least amount of relationship to, right? You, you don't know who they are. You're not familiar with them. So we, he says, listen, we're not going to be not just culturally together in Christ. We're part of God's kingdom, but we're no longer excluded even on a relational level. We're not going to be strangers. Like when I was growing up, when I was in the 80s, right, because that's my age, and when I was growing up in there, they had this thing called stranger danger. Remember that? And we couldn't put our names in our backpacks or wear them on anything because all the strangers were all bad people everywhere because strangers were just strange. And so was it good? I think a lot of times that we carry that into the rest of our lives. And even to the church, people show up here and we're like, I don't know you. I'm going to talk with you because you might be dangerous. You might be a crazy person. But God said, no, in Christ... There is no stranger, there's not, and there's no foreigner. Culturally and relationally, we are no longer excluded from God. That is good news, but he goes on to make it even better news because no, our, we're not just not excluded. Look at this. We're included. There's a difference about being, you're not being cast out, we don't want you here, to being you're part of this, you belong here. There's a huge difference between that. And you'll notice a difference. There may be somebody, I don't know if you ever had like an enemy or somebody would just, you would never invite them into your home. You're like, that person, they're excluded from my home. But you invite other people to your home that aren't family, right? They're guests, but they have to leave eventually, right? They can come into your house, but eventually they'll wear out their welcome. But then there's family who gets to stay there. And God moves us not, we were once excluded from God. We were once excluded from each other. We were once separated and alone. But he didn't just move us into that middle spot. We're not just guests in the heavenly kingdom. We're not just kind of friends to him. He says, no, you're, you're included. You're fellow citizens with God's people. You belong here and you don't have to leave, right? We're not going to give you a visa and then once it runs out of heaven, then you got to leave, right? This was part of where you're part of God's kingdom, right? And when he says uh, fellows, that, that speaks to equality, 
right? Nobody in this room is more of a citizen of God's kingdom than another person. If you're part of God's kingdom, we're equally portions of God's kingdom. But also, a citizen relates status, right? If, if you are a citizen of a country, you have rights and responsibilities, especially in Rome, right? If the people were Roman citizens, that meant a whole lot. Paul got a lot of extra good treatment because of his Roman citizenship, which Peter and the apostles didn't enjoy, right? To understand, citizenship is a big deal. And what he's saying here is culturally, right, we're no longer foreigners, you're citizens. We're the opposite of what we used to be. This is an amazing thing. So we have this culture now that we share. There used to be Jews and Gentiles, different languages, different backgrounds, different histories, but now when they die to themselves and Jesus and were born again, they have a shared history, a shared culture. And you have that if you are in Christ with us. We have the same King of kings. We have the same Lord of lords. We have the same culture of, in Christ in which we begin to live by. It changes our values. It changes uh, how we operate, right? We have a different way of doing things together. Whatever it was in our past that separated us is not what defines us any longer. You are a fellow citizen. You belong. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on and then takes the other thing. Just because culturally we belong, how about relationally? Because sometimes people show up at the church and they think, well, okay, I'm part of God's kingdom and all that, but I'm still not loved, right? People don't like me. I'm on the outs. But it says we're related. It says you're also members of his household. You're not a stranger. You know, a stranger is somebody that we're least familiar with. The people that we're most familiar with are the people that we are in our family, right? We have familial connection. And God said, not only not strangers, we're not just like friends or acquaintances. We are family. As close as you possibly can get. Members of God's household. Which means that God gets to set the, the culture in his home. God gets to set the rules in the, in the environment of his home. And the environment of God's home is a very high structure, very high love home. It's a great place to be. And you belong there. You don't just have to show up and leave. You're not just there for play dates. Like God has called you his child, and that's exactly what you are. And so in family, we enjoy things like love for one another. I mean, even those weird people in your family that sometimes you don't like as much, you love. There's loyalty in family. There's identity in family. This becomes who we are, and God wants you to identify in him and with him, but he wants us to do that together. That's why it's so important. Like People always ask me, well, I go to this church or that church in Estes, and I say, no, there is one church in Estes Park. You understand that? We meet in different buildings because we have different styles, but we're all brothers and sisters, right? There is, a, there is God's church. We, we have an identity that's in him. See, we belong together which means you belong here if you are in Christ. This is where we come home. This is where we connect. You're not a stranger here. And if it's not enough that we're just not only not excluded, but included into God's family and, and into his kingdom, we're also rooted. He says that this family has got solid roots, deep roots. This is we're built on the foundation, the prophets and the, and the apostles with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. This, this family stands on a very solid foundation. There are some families out there that are kind of, you know, have a kind of a sketchy family name, 
You know, like maybe they've, they've been known to do some shady stuff. But I want that the family that we're in now is really solid. It's got deep roots. It reminds me of um, like 10 years ago, we had this kind of a flood. I don't know if you remember that. Kind of washed away some houses and half our church and all that kind of stuff. And in the back of our church, there was a uh, tree, and it's still there. And by that tree, we had a big wood splitter, because we had a wood splitting ministry at the time. And we had all this wood that we had split, and this massive wood splitter that was sitting there. And the water came down from the mountain and washed all of that, all of the wood away, and this massive metal wood splitter, it washed all that away. And it washed underneath the tree so deep that you could park almost a bus underneath it. It was like, but the tree was still standing there. And it didn't fall down. Now, there are all kinds of other trees that got washed away and fell down. But why didn't that one? Because it had really deep roots. And it was being held up when the ground wasn't underneath it. It was being held up by its roots. And then we, of course, we filled it all in. And then we prayed over the tree. And there it is, still standing there. And I think you understand that now, if you are in Christ, you have deep roots. There are going to be times that this world will just wash everything out from underneath you. And, the, and no one will make sense to anybody why you didn't collapse and everybody else did. Because you got deep roots. And how deep do our roots go? All the way back to the prophets and the apostles. Right? In fact, we stand on the solid rock of Christ himself. That we have a stability. This family isn't falling apart. It's going to take a whole lot. This family, the church, has withstood persecution it's, it's withstood all kinds of, of destruction and, and, and earthquakes and famine and fire, right? And this particular church has handled pestilence, fire, flood, right? I mean, and we still are here. We have deep roots. And you don't have those deep roots if you're on your own. But our roots go way deep, which give us a stability. It gives us a heritage. It's an amazing thing. So even if your natural family didn't have this, even if on your own you thought, well, I, you know, maybe you were an orphan or you didn't have a family that you thought you could be proud of, now you do because you're part of God's family and you've got amazing roots. And more than that, he says, not where we, we have, we're deeply rooted, but we're also integrated with each other. He says, in him, the building is joined together. That this is important, that God didn't make you to be separate that we're being joined together, that God didn't make any Christian to say, go out and be a Lone Ranger Christian. It does not exist. Even the Apostle Paul, and the, where he would go out and plant churches, right? He was planting churches, and he had a home church that was praying for him. That we're all part of, of a family. That you were not designed to be alone, and the enemy wants to tell you be, that, that you don't need a church, and that there's no such thing as a perfect church. Well, that's great, because if there was, you shouldn't go there, because you'd mess it up. But the reality is, is we're all messed up. But God is the one who makes us right. And he understands how he shaped each one of us and he designed us to perfectly fit together. And he's the one that's doing it. See, God is making us into something great together. That God's purpose for your life can never be fulfilled with you being off on your own, but it can be fulfilled if you are part of his family. If once you assemble, he does amazing things. It's like uh, when my son was little, he liked Legos. And Legos are amazing little miracle blocks that hurt so bad if you step on them. But, you know, you'll buy a box of them, and you'll tear them open, and you've got a bunch of little pieces that all kind of look similar to other little pieces. But if you keep those ones and you follow the instructions, you can build something amazing and wow your friends. 
right? That there's a place for each one of those. In and of yourself, you're pretty cool. You're in a miracle, but you're not as impressive as you will be once you're joined together how God designed you to be. And God has integrated you. He's designed you perfectly to fit in here, to hear that, to understand that. And Paul goes on to explain that much more, especially in chapter 4 of Ephesians. So I encourage you to read that because it's the truth of God. And the devil tries to tell us that we're mistakes, that we're so messed up that God couldn't possibly use us. But I want you to hear this, that God is shaping you even now. He is sovereign and you fit, you fit in. There's a place for you here. And not only are we fit together, but as we fit together, we're sanctified. God makes us into something holy. That's what sanctified means, is to be set apart, to be made holy. Not to be made perfect, although someday God will perfect our spirit and our soul. But now you are different. You're not common. You're God's child. And another way we say if you're a sanctified person is a saint. And you are the saints of God. And one of the things we recognize is what is he doing is he's taking these common people from this pagan town, from these messed up backgrounds, and he's joining them together and he's building into them something magnificent, something that, that would rival and eventually overcome and trample down even one of the wonders of the world. People don't go to Ephesus any longer to go see the temple to the goddess of Artemis. In fact, it in, lies in ruins in a field just outside of the city. So there's only a column there left. Where they go there is they go to remember the roots of the faith. They see the church that was there that became the, the cornerstone church after Rome fell or before, after Jerusalem fell and before Rome uh, took over that portion. It, it became a, a place of the, that the church began to, to have an anchor in. That's why people go to see Ephesus today, right? Well, because it's not the building that was there, it was the people that God made. It was the temple of the Lord. And notice that God didn't just make us into a common building. He makes us into a temple. Now, they had a temple to Artemis, which was magnificent, but there are the temple of God, which is even more magnificent. Because in the temple of the real God, God himself in his, in his presence rests. And if you wonder how amazing that is, read some of the prophets, like, like Ezekiel. Like, how crazy is it when God's spirit can dwell within you? The angels themselves can't even look at God, and yet he dwells in you, but he doesn't just dwell in you. He dwells in us. We are being integrated together and being built up. We, he's raising us into something much higher and a much, than we could ever be on our own. And you are part of that. You're an, you're an important part of that, an integral part of that. And so your life has become sanctified. You don't just live for you any longer. This world isn't just about what, the, how empty most people live. They're like, I'm going to work really hard, I'm retiring, I'm going to finally do what I want, and then find, does that fulfill your soul? But God has given you something even bigger, an eternal calling, something amazing that you are part of even now. And he's raised you up to become something holy, a place where his Holy Spirit dwells. And in that... We're also unified. It says, and in him, you too are being built together. Just in case the Ephesians believed that this might be true for everybody else except them personally, he makes it personal. You too. You belong. And you need to hear that. You're not a mistake, and God wants you, and he's called you here, and he had a purpose for you here, and he's shaped you for this. He's prepared you. All of your life comes to this because he's doing something magnificent amongst us. You, too, are being built together. And you hear that last part, together. 
God is not just building you up personally. He isn't asking you to go to toe-to-toe with the devil alone. He's not asking you to, to, to evangelize the world on your own. He's calling us together as the body of Christ, integrated, put together, unified, that we are able to do this. So we have unity in faith and our identity and our purpose and our relationship. But also notice this, who is it that unifies? Was it their really fantastic pastor? Was that what they're in? In the amazing Pastor Aaron of Ephesus, you're all unified. You're like, yeah, he's a great. Was it your favorite celebrity preacher that you hear online? Was that it? Was it some philosophy or some great book? Was it some nationality that they were unified in? It's in Jesus. Jesus is the one who unifies us. That is massive. Because we all get along with that. We could, there's, this is a crazy church. I love this church because we have people here on the political right and the political left and political who cares, right? And some of you are deeply wrong and I disagree with you, you know, profoundly and you think that I'm deeply wrong, but, but you know what? I love you because we have Jesus. We have Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's the chief cornerstone. We're together in him. And there's love and there's loyalty in that, isn't there? That there is a profound sense of togetherness and belonging that God put us together here. It is Christ, and Christ is at work in our hearts, giving us an affinity for one another. When we go on missions trip, isn't the most amazing thing? You'll go to a country, people speak a totally different language than you. You have nothing in common with them but Jesus. And you go there, and there's just like an instant sense of, of affection. You're like, we're on the same team. <laughs> we're together. God does that. You're experiencing the, the miracle of unity in your hearts. And it's so important to Christ. It's the one thing he prayed for us directly. He prayed for a lot of things for the church in general but, and, and for the apostles, but the only thing he said, I'm praying this not just for my apostles, but for those who come after them, which is you and me, is that we would be unified. This is how much, how important that is because the church means assembly and Jesus died for his church, his bride. You're part of this. And so there is a place for you. God has designed it and he's calling us to it and he's making a place for you. And in this, get this, this is the fun part, then we get to be glorified. Not only is there a place for you that you are not alone, nor will you ever be alone, not just in the spiritual, but in the physical, you have a family of faith on this earth. You're part of the body of Christ, but together we become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, all people say that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that is true. The Holy Spirit does dwell within me. But theologically, it is equally as true and is important to recognize that we are the temple of Christ. This is what God designed us to be part of. The Holy Spirit resides here, right? Even in places like, even when you have to do church discipline, he says, even if there's only two or three of you together that gather in my name, I'm going to be there with you. If that happens in the hard times, like a church discipline, how much more in the happy times when we come together and praise? That, that God's Holy Spirit, the one that the, the Israelites would have to climb up a, a massive amount of stairs and go to the city on top of hills in order to just see from the outside, maybe the, the, the priest giving uh, homage to this God, he dwells within you. He dwells within us. The Holy Spirit is here now. And it's not a dead God like Artemis who can do nothing. Our God is the one real, true, living God, the God who created heaven and earth, the God who owns and controls all things, that he is here with us as well. 
So do you have problems in this world? Yeah, of course we are, right? We're going to have difficulties. But you're not going to have a problem that's not bigger than what God can handle. And is the devil going to tell you you don't fit in? Do you have a lot of reasons why you should be excluded? Yeah, but that's why we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, right? Because we're no longer on the outs. We're included. You're part of his family, right? We're, we're part of his, of his, of his citizenship. We're, we're part of what God is wanting us to be. Like, we're part of his temple. So no matter how alone you may feel, you're not alone. And that's why I would say, take heart. In this world in which, in our culture, pervasive and persistent loneliness is a, natural, is a health emergency, it does not, ought not, cannot exist in the church. We're the antithesis of that. That the answer to the loneliness is Christ and his resurrection, which draws us together. That we belong together. You're included, you're related, you're rooted, you're integrated, you're sanctified, you're unified, and in Christ together we're glorified. You have a church. In fact, together, you are the church. So, let's do the fun part, and we get to be the church. We're going to talk about some of that, what it means next week. So I want you to join us again, but we do that. But now, I have our next steps. Part of that is taking these next steps of following Jesus and the integration. And one of them, we want to be in the same heart and mind. And so maybe for you, and these are on your connection cards, by the way, if you, so if you forget. But it says here, well, I want you to memorize Psalm 31, 24, right? So take heart, right? Uh, be strong and take heart, all of you. Put your hope in the Lord. If you put your hope in yourself, you're going to be by yourself. But put your hope in the Lord, you'll be with the Lord. And that's where strength and that's where courage is found. And it's found here in the church. So if you need to memorize that, maybe that's your commitment. All about this. How about you read Ephesians? Because it's a great little letter. It's not very long, but it is really encouraging. And it talks about really predominantly in that letter of, of how the church integrates and how God has designed us to work together to help us find our place in it. Something you might want to do is to join us as our church. One of the things that we're doing is we have our Take 5 initiative, right? This is our strategy. We're going to saturate this valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are making progress on that. But it's going to require all of us because the body moves when the whole body moves, right? If you're going to go walking to the store, you can't leave your nose at home, right? Everything's got to go. If you want to be with us, take us, join us in the Take 5. You say, Aaron, what is that? Well, on the seat back and pocket in front of you, we have it every single week as our strategy. It's on this little card. I invite you to just take this with you if you want to know. It's even a cool QR code that'll take you to a website that talks about it. We describe it here, but there's five simple commitments. If we all do this, I promise, this is God will, as we worship Him, and this is what it's all about, worshiping with our time, talent, and treasure, and with our whole lives, everything, center our lives around him, we will reach this valley. We're going to saturate Estes Park with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want you to be part of that. So maybe that's your commitment. And if you've fallen away from it a little bit and gotten you know, complacent or at least uh, distracted, come back to it. Let's do this together. Another thing we want to do is we talk about being generational, transformational disciple makers. Generations matter. That's why we're doing a VBS. Also, there's a massive need. There are a lot of families in the beginning of summer. What am I going to do with the kids, right? Why don't we take those kids, instead of putting them in daycare for a week, why don't we teach them about Jesus for a week and love them and care for them so that they can meet this amazing God and find that they have a place that they also connect and belong. And so uh, what I would say is you can help with us. Everybody, I want to ask that you would pray for our VBS. You can help that way for sure. Pray for it. Pray for the students and the teachers and the time that God would open hearts and minds and wouldn't just reach the young ones, but their families as well join us in praying but also we actually need people to you know care for the kids to, and it's only a couple hours every day uh, it's only five days that we're going to be doing this and so just come and join us uh, 
lead a game if that's what you can do. Teach a song if that's what you can do. We'll, we'll, we'll have a space for you, but if you want to help us with that, and I'll say this, the body of Christ works together when the body of Christ works together. So join us. There's a place for you, uh, and we want to help you find that. So let us know by writing VBS on your connection card. Jesse will contact you, and, and we'll get you prepared, trained, and ready to go for this amazing thing. And God is going to do a work in the youth of our community. Believe it and know it, and God's going to do something amazing. So there's that. Now, if you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, this is the next step I want you to take because it's the first one. You can't take any other steps before you take this one because right now you are excluded. Right? It says very clearly in Scripture that if we have, if we have sinned, we've fallen away. The penalty of sin is death, the separation from God, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, that he gives us a new way. It's not just you anymore. If you are ready to take that step to become his follower, to be saved by God's grace through your faith, in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's when all these other promises and all these other things begin to take shape, right? You put your hope in the Lord, and there's amazing benefit there. So if you need to take that step, step away from the sin, step away from trying to do it on your own, finding your own way, your own, uh, your own value, your own life by yourself, if you want to step into having deep roots, that the promises of God and the goodness of God and the peace of God and the family of God, then don't leave today without taking the step. And if you need to do that, what I, what I want you to do is, is come talk with me or Pastor Jesse or uh, even one of our ushers or elders. We'd, we'd be happy to help you take that step. Uh, and you're going to believe, confess, repent, be baptized. You're going to be discipled in the church. It's gonna, everything's going to change for you in a really good way. But you can't do it alone. So if that's what you need to do, of course, you can let me know on your connection card, but also come talk with me. Let us help you start walking in the joy of this amazing new life together. Now, I have given you all something to do. Please do something. Don't just sit and listen to the word and be entertained by it. But let it change you. Let it propel you to righteousness. And let me know what that is, because as your pastor, I care about you. I'm a shepherd. I want to make sure my sheep are all moving in the right direction towards the Lord, right? So I can pray for you and, and, and help you out. So let me know what those are. And if you've got a prayer request, write those down, because prayer is powerful. And then in a moment, we're going to take our offering. And then if we pass the offering basket, please take your connection card, that green card, drop it in the offering basket as you pass it. All right, now as you prepare yourself for that, let me pray for us uh, as we, we get our hearts ready to, to respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you're amazing God. You're good and you're powerful and you're loving. Father, I pray that you would take these commitments that we're about to make. Father, uh, and give us conviction in our heart and our lives as to what step you want us to take. But Father, let us follow after you with, with full uh, joy and, and uh, Father, without any reservation. Uh, just pursuing you with our whole hearts and lives. Father, I, there's some today who might be lonely. I pray that you would fill them with the joy that comes with the compassion and the love and, and the inclusion that is, uh, that is part and parcel of being a disciple. Father God, for those maybe who need to take that first step of faith today, to, to become a believer, Father, I pray that you would help them Draw them past that threshold, Father. Take away the fear, but also give them the joy of, of what lies before them, Lord. Give them the grace to accept you. Father, for all of us, help us to make decisions that draw our hearts closer to yours so that your kingdom can be built in us and through us, and together we'll be built into a beautiful temple that radiates your glory throughout this community and beyond. We pray that in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior.